Hello, my friend, and welcome back to Squidge the Podcast. On today's episode, we are going to be breaking down the difference between emotional empathy and cognitive empathy using a personal experience of mine that just happened recently. Because there is no better teacher in life than, well, life itself. So let's jump right into it. Welcome to Squidge, the place for conversations about confronting the squidgy feelings that make us want to cry, cringe, quit, and create chaos. It's in this squidgy space that we can choose to either empower ourselves to move closer to our authenticity or revert back to our old ways of thinking and being. My name is Terry Hofford, and as a body image educator, creative podcaster, and author, I am no stranger to experiencing squidginess in both my personal and professional life. And I'm so excited to have you here as I bring you episodes featuring my own experiences with the squidge, while also introducing you to some of my amazing friends who have empowered themselves through their own squidginess to achieve great things. From topics ranging from body image to entrepreneurship to motherhood to travel, there is something here for any anyone who is, well, human. All right. Have you ever put on an outfit that you felt super bold in, but still maybe a little insecure, but you were like, fuck it, I'm going out tonight. Then when you went out and you noticed maybe somebody was checking you out or you could feel your friend's energy shift when they saw what you were wearing. Did you ever think, Oh God, they're thinking this looks terrible. Chances are good that you've let emotional empathy take the reins. Interpreting someone else's feelings and then filtering them through your own thoughts. Welcome to Emotional Empathy. Two nights ago, I was reconciling some accounts that I had and I realized that I had a whole chunk of money missing from one of my sources. At first, I thought it was just a few hundred dollars and that that immediately cued instant panic. Like I could feel my whole body get really, really hot. I looked on the platform to find out where the money had been going, but I couldn't find anything. I scoured the help desk to see where it should be, uh, where I could figure this out, and I had to start drafting an email to them asking how I could view these payouts. It was around me writing mid-email that my husband came upstairs and I relayed to him that not only was a recent payment missing, but now I had noticed payments from the last three years. So people had been paying me, I just hadn't been receiving it into my bank account. I could feel his energy change, as it does when we always talk about money. And immediately, I felt hurt and sad and disappointed. He started asking logical questions about what I tried, what I had done so far, etc. And each time he phrased something, my irritation rose another level, alongside my embarrassment. I knew from his energy that he was thinking, Oh, how could she let this happen again? Because this wasn't the first time that I had let something go and didn't notice it until it was a big problem. And how stupid do you have to be to miss this amount of money? And even though the words coming out of his mouth were more logical and resolution focused, I could just feel that there was something different in his mind and I shooshed him out of my room so I could resume hyper-focusing on what I had to be done. 
The following day, I continued my sleuthing in the case of the missing money. And after a few emails, phone calls, and helpful support staff, I was able to track down this money. Yay! $6,000 came back to me. How amazing! And once I transferred it into my actual account, I ran downstairs to tell my husband the good news. I sat on the landing of our stairs, where I usually do to share my news, and told them that the money had been found in an old PayPal account. As soon as I told him that, he started with, here's how we prevent this in the future. And I cut him off by saying, listen, last night when you came in to help me, while your mouth was saying one thing, your energy was saying something else, and I know you think I'm stupid and I've disappointed you. At this point, I could see Ryan's face fall and tears well up in his eyes. What? I would never think that about you. Have you ever heard me say that about anyone, especially you? Here's what was actually going on in my head if you really want to know. I know if I offer you too much support, you're going to yell at me. But if I don't offer enough support, you might feel like I'm not helping you. So... In the moment, I'm never sure what to do aside from stand beside you awkwardly until you tell me otherwise. And in that moment, I realized I interpreted his energy to mean something that I had felt and experienced before. My thoughts about myself had shape-shifted into the form of my husband. The things I thought he believed about me were things I thought about myself. These were things my dad had said to me when we'd be doing math homework or when I'd make a mistake. I took my husband's energy and made a story about it, which gave me a scapegoat for the thoughts that lingered in my head. Once again, hello, emotional empathy. I turned my husband into this horrible partner who thinks horrible things about me. He would never. He is the kindest, most patient and loving human ever. But I felt his energy as an empath, and this triggered a memory in me, probably of my dad's energy. And I created a story about what my husband was thinking and feeling. But the reality was, those were my thoughts that I assigned to the feeling. That's the emotional piece. I apologized to my husband that I would ever think so little of him, and I gave him a hug and asked for forgiveness, after which we both decided to chat about the best ways to help me when I'm hyper-focused on a problem, especially a a problem that makes me disappointed in myself. We both agreed that it would be best if I could tell him what I need from him. Do I need kind words, or do I need him to fix it? When I'm going through something like that, I need him to know if I need him to say the antidote to the things my brain is already telling me. You know, this is just a silly mistake that happened. It happens to everyone, etc., etc. Or to jump in and resolve it, which he's really good at. But this way, I can work through it without projecting my thoughts and stories onto him, which eventually, when I do that, it does make me yell or be mad at him. Again, it's easier to blame someone else than to look internally and see the things I think about myself. Emotional empathy is sneaky as heck, and it is important for us to come back to 
do I know that to be 100% true? Because chances are good that you don't truly know what people are thinking about you, if they're thinking about you at all. And in the event that you are wearing an outfit that makes you feel a bit more insecure, but you're bold enough to wear it, try assuming the best from people. Whatever the feeling is that you feel off people, assume it is the best. Because if you're going to make up something, it may as well be something that makes you feel more confident instead of making you feel small. You see, our gift as empaths is to feel what others feel. But our gift is not to interpret what they are feeling. Instead, we can employ what is known as cognitive empathy or embodied empathy. The ability to feel what someone is feeling but realize that it isn't yours and instead ask them questions around what you notice. What are you thinking right now? What are you, What is going through your mind? Asking questions like that. Be in the present with them instead of filtering your past onto them. As Anne Barube, author of The Burnout Antidote States, you don't have to engage in emotional contagion. Through embodied empathy, you can be sensitive, be an empath, and keep your boundaries in place. Be here in your body, not in theirs. Being an empath is incredibly hard work, but again, it is something that is our gift. It's imperative for us to recognize what it feels like when we are taking on somebody's energy and turning it into our own story, therefore creating feelings within ourselves. That ultimately is what leads us to things like burnout, overwhelm, or just wanting to retreat in general. It's because we're feeling things that aren't even ours. The other thing I'll say about this is making sure you know what it feels like after you've been on social media. When you read something somebody has written or taken in these stories about other people and you're thinking about not the content that you've read, but the content that you believe people to be feeling and making up stories about that, are you recreating that feeling within yourself or are you just taking it at face value and then getting to work or taking action on it? Either way, we need to start recognizing what impact being an empath is having on us and what it feels like within us. Because this experience with my husband just happened, I can think back to what it, what it felt like when he was hovering over me and how I felt when I interpreted his thoughts. How I felt was that I was disappointed in myself and that I almost didn't want to tell him what had happened because I had done something similar to this before where I had just not noticed a certain thing with my finances and it ended up being a big deal that he had to help me fix. Therefore, I had to be a burden. And I could feel that same energy within my body thinking about that. And then he came in and whatever energy he had on him, I could feel it. And I realized that I, in that moment, was able to take all the feelings I had about myself and immediately put them outside of myself onto somebody else because it was easier for me to think he's disappointed in me than for me to realize that I was disappointed in myself and talking negatively about myself. And it was a really, really eye-opening thing because now when that happens again, because ultimately something like this is going to happen again, I'm going to be able to recognize what it feels like in my body before I go to transfer my thoughts into somebody else's experience. 
And so I want you to think about yourself, if you are somebody that is an empath, to think back to a scenario where maybe this was true for you, where you didn't know exactly what the other person was thinking, but you assumed it through your own filter of your past experiences. And I want you to see in that moment, if you close your eyes and think of that memory when you did that, what, where do you feel that in your body? What did it feel like in your chest? Usually that's where we feel it the most. Did your shoulders hunch in? Did your back get all bristly? What did it feel like in your body in that moment that you, you projected your thoughts into somebody else's experience? And pay attention for that happening again. How often does it happen? Uh, and this isn't always just in the case of where you feel bad about yourself. In fact, most of the times when we talk about empathy, it is that we see it as a, a thing to help other people, right? So like when I feel my husband's energy normally or he has had a hard day, I can feel the stress on him when he himself may not recognize it. So I feel that stress and in the past, I would have taken it on and made it my problem. I would have felt his energy and I would have said, oh, what can I do to make him feel better? Which it isn't my job to shift his emotions. It can be my job to encourage him to shift his own emotions. But if I take on his emotions and make them my own and say, oh, he's probably stressed out about work because, you know, he's had a hard time there with his boss. Da, 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 da. Meanwhile, that stressed out energy could be that he just didn't eat lunch. And so he needs a snack. But if I try to keep like pressing, pressing him to tell me about his work and his boss and try to fix that scenario then I'm doing him a disservice because I'm not fixing the actual thing that's causing the feeling in the first place. I'm creating a feeling for him instead of just maybe giving, telling him to have a snack or making a snack for him or something like that, right? So it's better for us to say, oh, I feel this thing. I am interpreting it this way, but I don't know that to be 100% true. So what are some questions I can ask the other person to understand more about what they are thinking about. So again, asking the question, hey, what's on your mind right now? What are you thinking about? Um, hey, just notice that, you know, there's a little bit of a squidgy energy around you. Is there something you want to chat about? And if they say no, understand that that is your, your job is done. You felt it. You tried to talk about it. They're not ready. The end. Your job is not to fix it. Okay, so it could be really hard for us. And that's where the burnout piece comes in because we'll interpret it as being about ourselves. We'll interpret it about being something bigger than ourselves. And then we start feeling those things. We get what's what uh, Anne talks about being emotional contagion. We now take on their stress as our stress. And suddenly our stress goes up. And then that's when we pay what I call our empathy tax. Because we don't like to feel sad or hurt or stressed out. So then we fall into usually a coping mechanism. And a lot of times that coping mechanism takes away our energy more than anything else. So that's just a note that I want to say there. The other thing I would recommend, if you are somebody that knows they're empathic, you know that you feel other people's energy, you know that maybe you've been projecting, because we all do in some capacity, 
and maybe you take on emotional contagion, I want you to come up with a list of things to do that actually fill your cup up instead of continue to drain you. So for example, my old ways of coping with squidgy feelings was to eat certain kinds of food, to shop online, to binge watch Netflix, or to scroll mindlessly on social media. Those are my four chosen methods. Now, when I feel what it feels like when I'm taking on energy that isn't mine, or I'm purposefully doing it uh, in the event of, you know, teaching or doing a photo shoot or whatever, I'll gladly take all my clients' stuff and give them the good stuff. But now I have to replace that not so great feeling with something else. So I have on my list of positive reinforcement or positive ways to come out of feeling other people's energy is to do um, moving self-portraits. So that's dancing and I do self-portraits because it's creative at the same time. Uh, Drinking a, a buttload of water, drinking tons and tons of water, having a shower. A shower is one of my favorite ways to wash other people's energy off of me. Like even if I had a shower in the morning and I showered that day, whatever, I will still have a shower at the end of the day simply to cleanse the energy of the day and other people off of me. Um, And then the fourth one is walking, simply being outside in nature, walking around um, without headphones in, just like being very present and mindful. So I've substituted the other four for those new four. So that way, whenever I feel that squidgy feeling that isn't mine, or I recognize my husband's squidgy energy and he doesn't want to talk about it, I still have to move that energy through my body. So I will remove myself from being in his space and I will go for a walk or I'll go do self-portraits or I'll go be busy with myself um, or I'll go shower because it's sometimes it's really heavy energy and I don't want anything to do with it. But this can happen when we're with friends and things like that. Being an empath is our gift. It is something that we we have been blessed with the ability to. I know some people and I'm sure there's some truth to this. A lot of times people become empaths as a result of growing up in a traumatic child home and therefore you have to be aware of what other people are thinking, feeling, etc. or assuming it. You always have to be one step ahead. Um, whatever the case may be, we now have the superpower to be able to read a room and to read the people around us. But it is imperative, absolutely imperative, that it is not done emotionally where we are creating the narrative for other people's feelings. Um, because that's when it does get us into trouble and runs us into burnout. Okay, so that is it, my friends. I just wanted to share that fun story about me and uh, emotional empathy versus embodied or cognitive empathy and give you uh, an opportunity to start look at your own empathic behavior and notice, do I assume what other people are thinking based on what I'm feeling off them or do I critically ask them and wait for them to tell me? And yeah. Have fun, stay grounded, stay present. I'm so glad that we're back uh, with the podcast and I can't wait to see you in the next one. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Oh my gosh, I hope that episode left you with some delicious info and action steps to take to help you move through your squidgy feelings. 
I would love it if you could like, share, and leave a review as it helps other people find this content. In addition to that, I'm excited to tell you about the Patreon membership where our members go to get even more good stuff. I'm talking challenges, weekly posts, images that have never been seen, and a little FaceTime from yours truly. Of course, with a focus on mindset, body image, and creativity, we are going to get into all the squidginess about what it means to be a human. You can check out the different membership options at patreon.com forward slash Terry Hofford, as well as at the link in the show notes.